return of Timothy. Uh, he had gone to the church, he was sent to the church, and then he comes back and he's got a report, and we're going to get into that a little bit today. But uh, as we're writing here, he says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, or Tim- Timothy, our brother, and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if we stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before, uh, before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Now as we get into verse 3 today, we had gotten into it a little bit. We're talking about settling the unsettled. Here in verse number 3, we had gotten back at, well, let's look back at verse, verse number 2. Verse 2 gives us the reason why Timothy was sent. It describes Timothy. He's a brother. He's a minister of God. He's a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. But he was sent specifically to establish the church, meaning to build them up in their doctrine and their faith. As we had talked about last week, sort of using the illustration of, of, a, of a little infant, of a little baby. Right? You wouldn't just leave the baby out in the middle of nowhere, left to themselves, and expect them to do well. No, you would expect them to be devoured. And much is the same, spiritually speaking, when we think about a young church or a new church or a church that has lots of new believers. Let me ask you this. Are new believers a good thing? Yes, of course. But, however, while we would say new believers are a good thing, it also presents the, the new challenge, and that is to see them grow, to see them protected. As new believers are much like new children into the world. They need protection. They need nurturing. They need establishing. They need encouraging. Especially because, if you remember, when Paul had established the church at Thessalonica, he was literally driven out, if you will, by the persecution. The Jewish people had come and gone against Paul, and now he's going from place to place. And so he cares for them. He spent the first two chapters expressing his, his love and his care and his concern for this church. So Timothy was sent to help establish them, to make sure that they're keeping, uh, keeping the faith, that they are growing uh, and strengthening in their doctrine and their trust of it. And then he says as well to comfort you concerning your faith. The idea is to encourage, to establish and encourage. This is what preaching and teaching looks like. This is what discipleship looks like, and we need real discipleship. It is both establishing one's belief, but encouraging one to live it out. Both are needed. We need the establishing because without it, then we can easily and will easily uh, be uh, knocked over when persecution comes or difficult times come. But we can as well be uh, knocked over from the right doctrine and into false doctrine. And it's easy for us to go from one ditch into another. And so we've got to be careful. We must be established in the faith. Uh, The reason why you and I, when we talk about snow and ice on a morning like this, and praise the Lord that we didn't get... Uh, anything in town 
But let me ask you this, right? Pretty easy question. We know Teddy doesn't want any snow at all, all right? But for the rest of you guys, do you prefer snow or ice? Why do you prefer snow? Well, of course, because ice seems to be much more dangerous. Snow you can shovel, but ice tends to be what causes branches to break, power outages, poles to snap, and everything else that comes with it, right? You can do a little bit of driving in some snow. And most, most of us probably shouldn't be doing that. But you can still get around a little bit. You can still do some things, but ice totally limits you completely. And that is what causes much danger here. Now, what we're talking about is this idea that if we are not established, much like when the ice comes, it can easily break. That limb that is already almost dead or just sort of dangling over the road or over the power line, when more and more weight builds up on it, it can easily snap. Now, with this young church, the idea is much the same, that they are growing, but growing slowly in their faith. They are facing adversity. They're facing the storms and the ice, if you will, of the world and of persecution. And if they're not established, they'll snap. The second thing as well is the encouraging. What we find is that as we are established, it is an encouraging thing because we begin to know God on a deeper level, on a deeper understanding, not just mentally, but on a deeper walk with Him, a deeper trust and dependence upon Him. And we need such. It encourages us, but as well, it helps us to encourage one another. But we need the two to work together. Where there is establishing, there must be encouraging. Where there isn't encouraging, it must be establishing. And when we have both, we got into this a little bit. And this is what verse 3 is really looking at. This is what causes us to not only be established and encouraged, but to be able to endure the times of trials. It is an enduring faith that all of us want, right? Most of the time when that ice or snow does come, you know what you find yourself praying for? One, for the weatherman maybe to be wrong and it's not, you know, come here at all. Or two, you're praying that the limbs would stay strong, the poles wouldn't snap, the power would stay on, for those sort of things, right? For it to endure, for you to be able to endure the storm, for the the power poles to, to endure, the power lines and everything else to endure the storm. You and I have got to understand that we are called in this life to endure some storms, but only an established faith and an encouraged faith can be an enduring faith. He says in verse 3, Timothy is as well sent that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. There is a reminder of the experience expectation of afflictions that every believer must endure in this earthly life. We have uh, this sort of bad understanding here in America especially. In so many other countries that have Christians, when you talk to them, one thing that they often expect is suffering, difficulties, even to the degree of persecution. But You and I, we have, even the ones of us who maybe you go week to week, paycheck to paycheck, whatever it might be, right? We still are overall pretty well comfortable, right? We've got gas. It might be expensive, but we've got it. We've got food. It might be expensive, but we have it. We've got clothes. They might be expensive or they might not be in style, but we have them, right? You know, we, we have a church. We have family. We have a, a building. We have a home. We have a roof. All these things. We know so many comforts that when adversity comes to us, we are often not uh, on our rear, right? 
We, we just can't quite handle it. Afflictions and even trials, even persecution should be expected. Deep roots bring lasting fruits. But here's what we find. He's calling and saying He was sent to settle the unsettled, to make sure that no one in that church would be moved by these afflictions. Much of the letters in the New Testament are written to encourage believers to not abandon ship. right? To not uh, leave the faith. To not withdraw, but rather all the more to be rooted, anchored, established, steadfast, unmovable. All these different descriptions that we find throughout the New Testament that describe what the Christian life is to look like. Now, let's be honest. There are some things in our life that have come that certainly might knock you down, right? Something might knock you down, but it should not knock you out. And what happens here is as we're looking here at verse 3, that no man should be moved by these things. It is that we are to see this, that an unsettled believer must be established and encouraged. The greatest thing for a believer that is struggling is to keep struggling, if you will. Keep going, keep enduring, because every valley, every valley will eventually not be a valley. Everything that is dark and difficult, everything that is unbearable in our flesh, to the Lord it is, it is nothing. And this is why we must cling to Him. This is why we must be established in our faith. Because when the storms come, right, we must be standing upon not faulty, shifting sand, but rather the solid rock, the rock of Christ. Afflictions may move us, but should move us deeper in faith and trust in Christ. If we are going to be moved by afflictions, may they move us closer to the Lord. Afflictions are never designed to just simply see how strong we are, but rather to show us how weak we are that we would depend upon His strength and not our own anyways. Every affliction in your life, every trial, every act of even persecution is known by God and it is not designed to break you and cause you to lose faith, but rather to break you and build you up, to establish you, to encourage you in the Lord and as well as to cause you to endure through His strength, through His, uh, through His power that He gives to be able to endure. Stott writes about this verse. Paul's second concern was that no one would be unsettled by these trials. To unsettle is the word sanyo, which was used uh, at first of dogs wagging their tail, and so came to mean to flatter, fawn upon, and therefore deceive. Paul was worried that the Thessalonians' sufferings might lead them astray from Christ. Perhaps the best way to protect people from being upset by tribulation is to remind them that it is a necessary part of our Christian vocation. Notice, even in verse 3, he says this, For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. We don't like to talk about that so much, but even Jesus says to his own disciples, you're going to face persecution. You will be delivered up into the synagogues. They will persecute you. You will die. You will be jailed. You will be present. All those things happen, not just in the first century church, but continue to happen to this day. They might not be happening here, but they're happening plenty of places elsewhere. We've got to understand that persecution is to be expected. Paul would even later on write 
to Timothy and talk about this, that all who will live godly will suffer persecution. It is, it is a, a guarantee, right? The moment that our salvation is given to us, on the ticket, if you will, maybe even in the fine print that you might ignore, it says persecution will come. Afflictions will come. Trials will come. What does it also tell us? All throughout. That God is still with us. That God is working through the trial, through the affliction, through the persecution even, to establish our faith all the more. Because none of us have ever gotten to the place where we cannot grow more in faith. None of us have ever gotten to the place in our faith or in our Christian walk where we go, you know, I think I'm pretty established now. The moment we get to the place where we're willing to say, I think I'm established, is the moment that something is going to knock us out of our cleats, right? We've got to see that none of us have arrived, but all the more we must continuously be more and more established, which brings about more and more encouragement, which allows us to then endure more and more. I would say that the most godly of Christians are the ones who have suffered the most. They have gone through the deepest of trials. They have gone through some of the hardest of afflictions in their life. They have even dealt with persecutions for for just doing what is right or what God has led them to do or what God's Word tells them to do. We don't find them to be the strongest muscles or the greatest speakers oftentimes or maybe even the smartest in the room. What we find them to be are people who are established in the faith. They are going more and more in a dependence upon the Lord. The greatest thing that you and I could ever do in the Christian life is to depend more on Christ. Morris writes, It is likely that while the Gentiles were persecuting them, the Jews were urging them to abandon the Christian way and accept Judaism, which of course immediately would free them from their plight. The idea is this, as Paul faced persecution from the Jews, they're also beginning to tell these new Christians, well, you know, that's not really, why don't you do this? The law is where it's at, right? Why don't you come back here? Come back to where you ought to be. And then you've got others who are persecuting the Christians because in the early centuries, many of the, the Christians often were, were persecuted by both. We find that in the book of Acts, the Jews were often the first ones to persecute Paul and, his, and his, uh, other preachers that were along with him and many of the early church. We also find that the, the Gentiles or the, the non-Jewish world were also incredibly um, strict on, on persecuting Christians, even to the point where many of, of the Romans would call them uh, idolaters. They believed them to be cannibals because of the Lord's Supper. I mean, a multitude of things, right? And so there was so much persecution coming all around them. This is why Paul was so concerned for them and as well as why in this passage we're going to see his great relief to hear Timothy's report. What we understand is this, as we finish off verse 3, is that the one who is established and encouraged in the faith is one who develops an enduring faith. It's often been said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. That's right. Gold star right there. We'll get a sticker after class, all right? You get, it, you, you get this idea that you go, well, not everyone gets a good start, do they? I think about this. Here's a classic example. Jesus died on a cross on either side. There were two people who deserved to die on a cross, but there was one who simply said to the Lord, remember me. And that day, Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. That man didn't start out so good, did he? Matter of fact, you could even say his ending didn't look too good because he was dying on a cross for 
his rough beginning and probably even middle, right? But nevertheless, the very last moments of his life, he couldn't ask for anything more faithful, anything more trusting. Now, should we all be waiting until deathbeds or death crosses? No. However, what we should be doing is understanding that though we might have a lot of past behind us, that we might have a lot of issues behind us, that today is the best day to start following the Lord. It has been said or asked, when is the best time to plant an apple tree? 20 years ago? Right? But if you don't have the apple tree planted 20 years ago, the best day to plant it is today. And then to endure. And one day the apples will come. Today we're living in a world that is growing darker and darker. Which means we need more establishing of our faith to grow deeper in our trust and dependence upon God. Something that we've lost here, especially in the American church. We as well must get back to a place of an encouraging faith. Where we're encouraging one another. That we see our Christian life as much more than just as an individual, but as what I'm doing, how I'm living, what I'm believing, how I'm speaking even, is affecting the local body of believers around me. We're either encouraging and edifying or we're breaking down, right? We need establishing. We need encouraging. But we need to endure. I would love to tell everyone this morning, hey, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, your bank account's going to be full, your house will be fixed, your car will be brand new, and all life's problems will go away, right? That sounds great, doesn't it? Sign me up, right? Oh, and by the way, and all the rest of the world, it's going to stop uh, telling you that, that, that um, Jesus isn't real or that God's Word isn't, uh, isn't real and all that stuff, right? It's, everything's going to be nice and hunky-dory. Well, it's not. As a matter of fact, God's Word literally says the opposite. As the days continue, it will get harder and more difficult to be a Christian and an unchristian, even anti-Christian world. So what do we do about it? Do we hide? Do we run? Do we stop speaking? Do we stop being bold? No. All the more we must be established, which encourages us to endure. We must keep going on. Now verses 4 and 5. He says, For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter may have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Thomas writes, Christians are marked out for trials. The repeated warnings about persecution had already been substantiated. Prior to the writing of 1 Thessalonians, things turned out that way. There could be no confusion of these trials with the end time tribulation before the parousia or the, the coming of the Lord. For these were the common day by day tribulations that befell the disciple just as they did the master in John 15. Now, here's one of the great hopes that we're getting into and one of the great things that we can have confidence in that First Thessalonians presents us. That because of the Lord snatching or calling his church away before the great day of tribulation, that we might have to go through the great day of tribulation, the capital one, we've got to go through the little lowercase ones. These are many. These are day by day. These never will cease in this world, in this flesh. Though God will keep us from the great big and we got these today. We've got to understand that we are marked out for trials. Why? Because that is where God's grace can be dispensed to us 
and even, I would say, dispense to us the most, and where God can declare and display His glory. God gets the glory in the midst of our suffering. God is glorified in the way that you suffer, in the way that you endure. God gets the glory in the way in which He walks alongside you through times of fiery trials and even floods of your life, even the ice storms, and brings you through. And what He does is He shows that His grace is what allows us to to suffer, to go through trials, but it is ultimately to declare His glory, to declare who He is, what He's like, and it is well so that we would give Him the glory in the middle of trials. There is something that is so precious and so sweet about a saint of God who is going through suffering, going through a trial, that is able to glorify God in it. That is a sweet, beautiful, enduring thing that we find. Enduring faith embraces hard times. Because hard times bring us to Christ. Hard times reveal Christ all the more to us of who He is and what He's really like and what He desires to do in our life. But they as well reveal how we actually believe or don't believe. Trials are often meant to bring us to trust in Him all the more. I can tell you this, right? Even as a pastor, when things are going good, I trust the Lord a lot less. You know why? Things are going good. We're on autopilot. We're, we're coasting, right? Uh, we're, we're, we're just moving right along. I can take my foot off the gas pedal, even stretch my hands a little bit, right? Look around. It's nice. when things are the most difficult, this is when we have to trust, isn't it? You see, we should be trusting God the same when things are easy as when things are hard. It is if the believer is grounded in knowing that tribulation is to come, then when it does, and it will, the believer is not to be moved by these afflictions, as verse 3 tells us, but should embrace and endure by faith. Faith says this, that my flesh can't endure anymore, Lord, but you can give the strength. Right? We hear oftentimes of um, God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? Right? I've never found that Bible verse. Matter of fact, what I've found in my life, and I'm sure as you have found, He gives you much more than what you can handle. Why? Why would God do that? So we would trust Him. So we would trust Him. Because when we trust the Lord for something that we can't handle, what is that? It's it's faith. It's faith exercised. It's faith established. It's faith encouraged. It's faith endured. God, I can't, but you can. And the Lord gives the grace and the strength to make it through. You might look back at your life and go, well, I did make it through this. Well, did you make it through that or did the Lord bring you through that? I think that's the way we must look at it. It is the Lord that brings these things into our life. And He always does these things for our good. They're not always good things, if you, if you will, according to our eyes. 
But the eyes of God, there's nothing that enters into your life that is not good or usable, let alone used to display His glory in your life. As we look at this, we, we've got to understand about suffering. He says, when we were with you, we told you, therefore, that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and you know. He's going, we were there, and we told you, as we're preaching, you're trusting the Lord, persecution, suffering will come. He's like, it's as if they're sitting there, and they're going, uh-huh, okay, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, well, here it comes. I'll, we'll show you, right? And then here came the, the Jewish people, and they came and persecuting Paul and Timothy and Silas and the whole crew, and they're going, don't believe them. They're heretics. They're taking you away from God's law. They're taking you away from Moses and all that stuff. And it's as if Paul can go, see, this is, this is it. This is what it looks like. But you keep enduring. You keep believing. You keep growing. God does much of the growing in our life through trials. It, it takes growing. It, it takes in growing to grow, right? It, it takes those difficulties. If, how many of y'all plant a garden? Anyone keep a garden? All right. What's one of the first things that you do with your garden if you want it to even grow? Long before you eat, even before you put the seed in the ground, what do you do? Pray. Oh, that's good. We got, we got a spiritual one over here. <laughs> that's a good first step, isn't it? You might, then the next step might be pray what you want to grow and then pray about growing it and all that stuff. Right? <laughs> I've never kept a garden. But I do know this, every person besides praying first for their garden is that they tear the ground up. you got to till it up. Now, if you plant anything and you want it to grow, we don't just simply, well, we'll see what happens in three months. No. It takes some digging, doesn't it? Because even after praying, and even before you're putting out seeds, you're probably going to have to pray and go, Lord, help me to get all these weeds out, help me to clear this land, all these things. But it takes tilling this stuff up. Believe that what trials are doing in your life is that you and I don't see the fruit three, four, five months, or maybe even seasons longer than that, maybe even years longer than that. We don't see that. We don't see what God is doing there. We just feel the tiller. What God is doing is preparing for the fruit. He is preparing the ground to receive the seed, to receive the rain, to then sprout roots, and then to be more and more and more established. That takes place all under the ground, doesn't it? Long before you see corn stalks, right? You've got something happening below. And then it's got to grow up. This is what the Christian life looks like. We've got to be tilled up by trials. If not, we won't have fruit. And if there are no trials that till up the heart soil, there'll be no real faith, will there? But what this does is it causes us to trust. And when we see this as well in verse 4, that there should be tribulation to come, and it will come to pass, and you know it will. Verse 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, see, and I couldn't handle it anymore, much like he talked about in verse number 1, I sent to know your faith. Is it established? Is it encouraged? 
Is it enduring? Is it being exercised? That's all the ease I got. Okay. <laughs> Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. As Guzik puts it, Paul recognizes that the tempter, that is Satan, wanted to exploit this season of suffering as in the case of Job. Satan wanted to tempt the Thessalonians to give up on God. Now, if we just read verses 1-4, through would you say that God uses suffering in trials? I would. It's pretty clear. But what the Lord uses, the devil uses to manipulate. The devil sees your trial too. Though he is not omnipresent or all-knowing or any of those things, right? Yet he sees the trials of man and he says, I bet I can get them to view God wrong in this. You see, God uses our trial to till us up for the fruit. But what the devil wishes to do is that, oh, see, God's just beating you up. If God was good, why would He let that happen to you? It, it, aren't you deserving of something better from the Lord? Shouldn't you go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you give, you give to missions, you give extra, you do all these things, right? You say nice things to your pastor every now and again. Whatever it might be, you deserve better than this. When you hear the words, you deserve better than this, you can know for sure it's not coming from God. You say, well, God doesn't want me to have better? Well, see, He gives us much more than better in this life. He's given us an eternal life. Furthermore, He's given us Himself in the middle of this life. It is the devil who comes alongside and say, you see, this suffering is just unnecessary. You should just quit. Easiest way to not go through the trial of growing a garden is to not grow a garden. Right? I'll never hurt myself if I'm in a garden if I'm not in a garden, won't I? I can go to Food Lion, pay for overpriced, wiggly, kind of squishy carrots, right? All that stuff. See, there's ways around. Because the devil always wants us Though we might be believers and though he knows he cannot steal away our, eternal, or our eternity, what he can do is snatch away our confidence in the Lord. Snatch away our trust in the Lord. Cause us to break. Cause us to doubt. Cause us to be discouraged. Cause us to, to question, what is God doing here? Why is God allowing this to happen? We must understand that if you're going through a trial today, and if you're not, praise the Lord, that's great. But get ready, because you will soon, right? Trials are always either right here or just beyond the horizon. And you and I never know when they will be there. But when they're there, they're right there. But so is the Lord. Doing a work in it. But then not too far behind comes the devil who seeks to do his work in the middle of it. To snatch up seed as God is plowing to try to stamp it down or to kick the dirt away to keep you from trusting the hand that is doing the plowing, that's doing the tilling. Nothing tries faith like tribulations and temptations. It has been said that a faith that is not tested is a faith that can't be trusted. Paul was afraid that they had folded under the tribulations and temptations 
making their labor in vain. Guzik writes, If the Thessalonians did waver in their faith, Paul would consider his work among them to have been in vain. And the parable of the soils, Matthew 13, 1-23, Jesus describes the seed that withered under the heat of trials. If the Thessalonians withered, Paul's hard work as a farmer among them would have been no harvest. Paul did something to help prevent the Thessalonians from falling under their affliction. He sent Timothy to them because those who are in affliction need help of other godly people. So, as we bring this to a close, I love how Guzik puts it. It's simple. Are you going through a trial today? Maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. Two things. You need the Lord that's allowing the trial, that's doing even the plowing in your life, and you need one another. You need the church. We often get the mentality, well, the church needs me. They need my money. They need my attendance. They need my volunteering. Those things are nice. Those things help the function of the church, but with the wrong attitude, forget it. But we need one another to grow. We need one another because if we all say that we want real fruit, and we do, it begins with real faith. It means that we will be established, encouraged, which allows us to endure whatever will come. I would love to say that the trials at Victory Way Baptist are done. But they're not. I would love to say that growing will be easy, but it will not. There will be much plowing, much weeding. But in the end, what we find is God will allow us to be more established. He will encourage us along the way and allow us to endure to see the fruit that we might not see today. And Though we don't know when that fruit may come, we do know that it is God that gives the increase. So through trials, through afflictions, through all things and in all things, trust the Lord. Depend upon Him. And we shall not break. Let's pray. Lord, we come to You. We thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You for suffering. Thank You for trials that teach us and show us more about who Christ is and that He's right there with us. Help us, O Lord, today to have our hearts turned to You that You would allow us to worship You in spirit and in truth. God, that you would uh, direct our hearts to not be discouraged or distracted by anything, but God, to hear your word today and that you would do great work today, Lord, through your word, not through, not through anything that I might have to say, but simply through what your word tells us. And God, that we would respond by faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.